0: You're listening to The Preppy Podcast, and I'm your host, Patricia May Olson. I'll be interviewing the brands, businesses, and influencers who are keeping the modern preppy lifestyle alive. Each Tuesday, I'll bring you a new episode, but if you're craving more preppy, then shop the merch and listen to past episodes at thepreppypodcast.com, and be sure to follow at thepreppypodcast and me, Patricia underscore May underscore Olson, on Instagram. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Preppy Podcast. I'm so happy you're here with me. This week, I am interviewing Erin Donahue-Tice. She is an abstract artist, and she also has a fabulous line of tabletop and home decor pieces that I know you're going to love. I ordered her pink plates, and I just cannot wait to style them for a beautiful tablescape. And also, of course, her originals are truly stunning. We have a fun chat about how she had a career in public relations, so similar to me, but then found a passion and art and now is on this new journey, which I love. But before we get into the interview, I want to let you know that we have all new merchandise on the preppypodcast.com for summer. The theme is summer of preppy. So there you'll find new drinksters, a new sweatshirt, a new canvas tote and a keychain. They're all so cute. I brought them along with me to Nantucket for Lydia Menzi's Supper Club group, and everyone loved them. I got so many compliments. Uh, so they have sort of an espadrille, a sun hat, a hydrangea, uh, sort of motifs on them, and then their color scheme of really green and blue. Uh, the drinksters are fun because they come packaged ready to gift. The sweatshirt is lightweight compared to our other ones, it's more of a Terry material. And then the tote is just so preppy and classic and I think the perfect size. So go and check those out on thepreppypodcast.com and let's get into this week's episode. All right. So why don't you let everyone know who you are, where you live, and what you do? Absolutely. My name is Erin Donahue Tice. It's a
1: mouthful. Um, And I am an artist and now textile designer based in Austin, Texas, and I'm also a mom of three little boys and um, recently have started sharing my art in the form of fabric, wallpaper, plates, pillows,
0: and much more to come. I love that. And we met, you know, a few years ago at the Southern Sea. And so I've loved watching your business evolve, which we're, we're going to get into and talk about, you know, how you came up with those decisions and the, the products and the assortment and everything. But I want to start at the beginning. So tell me a little bit about Erin as a kid. Were you someone that was artistic or creative or entrepreneurial? What was your childhood like?
1: So it's funny, I get this question a lot. People ask, oh, have you been painting your whole life? Like, did you do art classes as a kid? And the answer is really no. Um, Surprisingly, I would say that I was highly creative as a kid. Um, I was thinking when you told me we were going to talk about my journey as a child, I started really remembering some of the things that I did. And I'll never forget being really into beading and making jewelry, probably (laughs) from the time probably all throughout middle school, like sixth, seventh, eighth grade. I had a whole kit of beads. I would go to a specialty beading store in my hometown in Ohio. Um, I made hemp bracelets and necklaces. And that was like the thing back in the day in in the nineties. And I would sell them like at school, after school, I would set up lemonade stands and sell my bracelets and my necklaces It was never like a home run, but I enjoyed the process of creating something and then trying to sell it. So it was funny thinking about that. I wasn't painting back then, but I was creating something with my hands. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was always into crafts. So I was an only child, only girl, and my mom worked. She had a career, but on her off time, she did help me kind of do crafts and take me to the craft store and we'd make baskets and I'd always have a craft kit at home. So I was definitely into crafting. I was really into scrapbooking. Um, and then I was also a dancer my whole life. I ended up being on dance team in middle school, high school, and then college. And And I also was really into acting and theater. Um, again, I wasn't like a singer. I was never the best of the best, but I really enjoyed it. I went to acting camps. I went, um, to different classes along the way. So looking back, I certainly had those creative roots, but I wasn't doing the painting thing back then.
0: That makes total sense. And I didn't realize you were a fellow only child as well. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know you were either. But- uh, that's it- so funny. You have to learn to occupy yourself. And I feel like you can really dive into hobbies and uh, arts and crafts and, you know, entertaining yourself back then. <laughs>
1: Wish my kids had more of that. They want to be entertained all the time and I'm like, I just had to like find stuff to do as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, different world.
0: That's so funny. Um, And it's also funny, though, because a lot of people that I do interview on this podcast, you know, when they think back, they all sort of had some sort of little I'm going to put like business in air quotes here as a kid, like selling, you know, bracelets or selling lemonade at a lemonade stand and being entrepreneurial like that. So I think a lot of us entrepreneurs way back then even had that spirit within us.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I I always liked building something, creating something, trying to get it in front
0: of other people, whether it was good or not. (laughs) So when it came time for college then, where and what did you end up studying?
1: Sure. So I grew up, as I said, in Ohio, in Columbus, Ohio, in one of the suburbs of Columbus. And I actually was planning to go to college in Ohio, but kind of at the last minute had a change of heart. I Had applied kind of on a whim to the University of Kentucky, which actually was only three hours from home, but it felt like a world away. And I hadn't even visited it, but I got in. And then in May of my senior year, I had my parents drive down there and check it out. We did a college tour kind of last minute, and I fell in love with it. It was so southern and so charming. And I just felt like I could kind of get out of my comfort zone, do something different. So I ended up going to the university of Kentucky and I also was able to get on the dance team there, which was a huge win for me. I wanted to dance in college. I was able to audition, make the team and just was so excited about going into college, having the dance thing going on. And then I kind of knew pretty early on that I wanted to major in PR and I know we have that in common too. Um, Mm -hmm but i in in high school did an internship at my local newspaper it was like a suburban newspaper conglomerate where they actually let me go out and interview people and write stories and have my byline published so i i had an itch for writing for communicating And then when I found out that University of Kentucky had a really good communication school with a PR specific major, I was like, that sounds great. It's a way for me to write, communicate, but also to sell, to be creative, to not just be sitting in a newsroom all day Um, because I was waffling between journalism and PR. And I ended up going with PR and um, I also minored in French I had experiences growing up studying abroad in France, and we hosted an exchange student from France when I was in high school who lived with us for a year. So I was very into France and the French culture and language. So I majored in PR and minored in French. Um, I ended up studying abroad again in college in France. Now I've pretty much lost all of my French, which is a travesty, (laughs) Um, and I would like to take lessons again at some point, but... um, But yeah, I majored in PR and did a lot of PR internships throughout college, including one stint in New York City Um, the summer before my senior year. I worked at a luxury PR firm in New York, worked on some fashion accounts and like Fiji water and Mm -hmm. learned the ins and outs of kind of how PR really works when I went to New York. Um, And that's that's kind of what my college experience was about.
0: That is so cool. And it's funny talking with you and realizing how much we have in common, because I minored in French too. And I know Mm -hmm. a few weeks ago, we were both in Paris kind of around the same time, Mm -hmm. um, But that's awesome. Held up better than mine. (laughs) No, I cannot like speak a lick of it, and especially being over there a few weeks ago, I was like, "Wow!" Like I can, I know words, but putting together a sentence now is like beyond. (laughs) I
1: can understand it and like read it, but I get total stage fright when it's time to speak it.
0: It's just, it's horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um. So okay. So you have this degree in PR then that you graduate Mm -hmm. with. Then what Mm -hmm. did you do with it? What was your first career and sort of um, how did those experience help you in what you do today, do you think? Yeah.
1: Um, so I majored in PR and I think I was one of the few people that was like, okay, this is what I majored in. I am going to go work in this field and I'm going to do exactly what I studied because a lot of my friends were in the communication school, but they ended up going into sales or um, more business routes. And I was like, no, I'm going to go work in PR. And so I knew I wanted to move to a big city. I had done that internship in New York city and I loved it, but I was kind of like, maybe Chicago's for me. Maybe that's like a middle ground, big city, but not New York. I'll start in Chicago. And I actually had lived in Chicago as a kid. So I felt like I had a connection there. It wasn't that far from home. Um, So I basically hustled and tried to get a job right after college And I couldn't get a full-time job. It was really hard to find a specific job like at a PR agency or at a company doing PR. But I found an internship that was paid, and it got me to Chicago, and it was with a really cool company. So I went to work at Leo Burnett, which is a really famous ad agency that had been around for years, um, like the Mad Men kind of era, downtown Chicago. And it was a six-month paid internship, and it was doing corporate communications and PR within the ad agency. So it was kind of this funny juxtaposition of like working in an ad agency where they're making commercials and advertisements, but I'm doing PR for the agency itself. So there was a lot of cross-pollination with like promoting the ads, trying to get exposure for the senior leadership team, writing press releases, um managing events for the company. It was just so many different things. But it got me to Chicago. I was with other people kind of in the sta- same stage of life as as I was. So I, I got to network with a lot of other people. I got exposure to all these senior level executives. And I was working in like the coolest ad agency in Chicago. So it was so exciting. I felt like I had hit the jackpot, even though it wasn't a permanent job and I was making $10 an hour. <laughs> But it was something and my parents kind of helped me, you know, like I was trying to pay my rent, but they would, you know, send $200 here, $200 there just to get me by and kind of get me off, off the ground on my feet. Um, and towards the end of that internship, I decided I really like working in advertising. I think I'm going to try to get a job actually in account management, which is more managing the the advertising Mm -hmm. side and I ended up getting a job in that at another ad agency in Chicago which was another great ad agency and it was a French company Um, it was called Euro RSCG but now it's called Havas. and um, so I went to work there it was down the street and it was like a real salary with benefits and I was like, hey, I'm on my way I'm making $30,000 now Um, and could kind of pay my rent Um, but Quickly, they realized at the firm that I had this experience doing corporate communications and PR. So they put me into a hybrid role of, I was half of my day in the account management side working on the Barilla Pasta account. And half of my day, I was doing corporate communications for the agency, doing employee relations, again, trying to get press for what the agency was doing. So that's, mm. that's like talking to Ad Age or the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal trying to get the executives and the work that the company was doing in front of potential clients, essentially. So um, it was a really cool hybrid role, and I worked there for about four years. Um, ended up moving to New York City after that, taking another job at J. Walter Thompson, another ad agency, working in a corporate communications specific role, and then eventually went on to work for a PR agency in New York City called De Janeiro Communications, which was about Thirty people, and our specialty was doing PR for the advertising, media, and marketing industries. So um, it was a very niche firm. But I used all that previous experience, and then managed, ended up rising up the ranks there and becoming like an SVP, managing a bunch of people and a bunch of accounts at the highest level, and. Um, some of my accounts there were Ogilvy and Mather and Goodby Silverstein and partners and then Live Nation on the entertainment side and, um, kind of always focusing and doing PR for, um, on the B2B side, kind of corporate PR. Okay. That's Um, so interesting. So it was like kind of this niche that I fell into. I loved it. I I got to go to really cool events, like the Cannes Advertising Festival. I went to France like three years in a row, um, And just, like, developed this specialty, and then we ended up moving to Austin, and I worked remotely from my same firm for a few years until I had kids, took a step back. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here, but ended up kind of falling into this art career, Um, and I use my PR experience and my business experience every single day. Definitely. Definitely. It's communicating, it's selling. PR at, at its core is selling. You're selling a story, you're selling an executive, you're selling a product, you're, you're trying to get it in front of more eyeballs. And while the whole PR industry has greatly evolved in the last five or 10 years, and there's so much more of a focus on social media and influencers, I um, have taken those core skills of communicating,
0: marketing, selling, and applied it to my own business now. -hmm. Yeah, you have done such a good job. I mean, just following you on social media, I think the way that uh, art's hard to sell because a, it's you know a little pricier, and it's it's an investment because people are putting bringing it into their home, and it's it's somewhat permanent. I would say Mm -hmm. so. I think you do such a great job of selling it and how you present it, um, which clearly comes from your background. Thank
1: you. Yeah, I mean that was kind of like the whole thing that I learned. It's how to package something together. It's what assets do you need? What does the photography need to look like? What is what is the story need to be communicating? What are the, like, the three bullet points you need to hit? So I try to think of those things when I'm sharing an Instagram story or talking on a live or posting a picture or managing a photo shoot. All of those
0: things come into play. Certainly. So now I really want to get into your business. So how did you sort of discover that you had this talent when it came to art? And then what was the sort of thought process in realizing, okay, I have this talent and, you know, I enjoy this and I think it could be a business. So tell me about that.
1: Absolutely. So um, as I said, when we moved to Austin, which was for my husband's job, My boss in New York was kind enough to say, you can be our first remote employee. This was in 2014. And so that was great. I did that for a couple of years. Actually, I did it for maybe three years after we moved here, three, four years. And then I had two kids quickly back to back. So I had William in 2015. Then I had George in 2017. And I knew that having two kids under two with my husband traveling the way he was and having such a busy life with children, I wasn't going to be able to keep up my PR job. So I took a step back. I left my job in PR and was like, I'm going to do this mom thing. Um, I'm going to focus on my kids full time. And I was floundering. I had help. It wasn't even that I didn't have help. I had some help. I just was overwhelmed feeling like, oh my gosh, what have I done? done with my life I had this thriving career I lived in New York City then we moved here and things were still good but like now I have two kids and like I don't know what my identity is anymore and it was kind of a really challenging time for me um, emotionally mentally I, I my mind was fried just from the challenges of parenthood and figuring all of that out um, and so about eight months after I had my second child George I Decided that I needed to do something again for myself. And at the same time, we were continuing to decorate our new home in Austin, and I was looking for artwork. I couldn't really, I was looking for abstract artwork. It was kind of what I envisioned, especially in this living room space we had. I couldn't find a colorful, bright, happy piece that I wanted to hang in my own house in Austin. And so I decided, well, I'm just going to try to paint it myself. Like what's the worst that can happen? So I found a really great art store that sadly no longer exists here, but it was a real specialty art store where they had real artists working behind the counter. They were like starving artists who were paying the bills by working at the art store. And I would go in there in my free time, the little free time I had, and just pick their brains. What paints do I need? What canvases do I need? What is this brush going to do? What? How should I varnish this piece? And they were so willing to share things with me. And I started painting behind the scenes. Like after my kids would go to bed, we had a little guest house behind our house where it had my husband's Peloton in it. And pretty soon I had taken over the whole space and I like had an easel and I was painting just for fun and Pretty soon the paint was splattered all over the Peloton and, um, (laughs) but it was so freeing to me. It was like, oh my gosh, I found something again. And thinking back to like what we were talking about earlier as a kid, when I had those moments alone where I was like making jewelry Mm -hmm. or, you know, making up dances in my basement, like it just, it gave me a lot of happiness. And I think that I was finding that again and I did this for like six months and one day some friends came over to my house for like a little play date and I had framed a couple of my pieces and hung them in our playroom and they said oh my gosh Aaron, like when have you been doing this like this work is really good are you gonna try to sell it and I was like no this is just a hobby it's giving me a lot of joy and they said well, it's you know, people are selling art now on Instagram. Like, you should just build an Instagram and try to post it and see what happens. And I said, nah. But then it, like, it lit a fire in me. And I'm like, well, why not? So I spent the next couple months getting, like, I hired a really cheap photographer. I had enough inventory kind of stored up where I could photograph some work. Looking back, the work was not great at this point. It's been <laughs> a long way, but it was. I was proud of it at that time and I launched an Instagram. I taught myself how to build a Shopify website because my friend was using a Shopify web. This was in 2018. She was using Shopify for um, her jewelry business. So she gave me a lot of tips. I spent a lot of time with Shopify's customer support team, figuring out how to build a site. And I launched in September, 2018 and I sold a painting a week later. And I was like stunned. I I will never forget that feeling. And it just lit that fire that like, okay, like maybe there, maybe I'm onto something here. So that's kind
0: I, of it started. I love that. And you know what? It's funny when you said being an only child and when I would, you know, make those bracelets or put together a dance, that kind of brought you back to that feeling. And I think that's so true. Like having, I'm sure after having kids, like having that alone time to yourself to kind of be with your thoughts, be in your mind and um, just like, enjoy that and do something for yourself I'm sure was so freeing and great in there
1: it was and I had spent so many years hustling working in like really fast-paced corporate environments so there was something really cool about trying to figure out my own business for real and like Mm -hmm. it was scary but it was also like well I have all these skills from my previous experiences I've watched other entrepreneurs so I think I can do this that's
0: amazing. So, okay. You said, you know, you sort of created, um, the website yourself, you hired a photographer, you sort of were developing your skills. So how did you take it to the next level? I mean, I feel like the past couple of years since I've met you, you know, you've really upped it. And so what was, you know, that process like obviously honing in more on your art skill, but then upping the business side of things.
1: I think it all clicked. I, I think it really clicked in twenty twenty, but even prior to that, I was reaching out to interior designers to see if they'd want to sell my work in their stores, if they had storefronts, if they'd want to sell their work to clients. And I and I started to notice that I really enjoyed working with designers. Mm. Um, and I liked des- I was getting more into design myself. My husband actually has always been really into design and I started kind of like picking stuff up from him because he's always had a really good eye. Um, and then we hired desi- a designer to help us with our house. Our We ended up moving from that first house in Austin to a second house, and we hired a designer. And I loved the process of collaborating with her and finding other pieces of artwork to go in certain places. And so a light bulb kind of hit that like design and art go so hand in hand and once I started sharing more of my house process of like designing this house and picking stuff out and then we moved in people were like really gravitating towards what I was sharing and it it reminded me that you know the way you package something together is everything and so like showing my art against my checkered floor or above my own mantle in my house, it gave people that sense of like, they knew what my brand was, they knew what my style was, they liked to see the art kind of in a space and could visualize their own space with the art. And so I really started investing in 2020 in higher level photography, doing more regular photo shoots, framing virtually every piece that I painted, which was a big investment. All of these things were significant investment, but it was helping me sell so much work that I was just investing everything I made back into the business at that point. And, and then COVID hit and people were at home mm-hmm. and they were wanting to fill up their, their walls, which is not what I expected. I think everyone expected the world to completely shut down and it did on a lot of fronts, but other areas really picked up. Like people were, you know, scrambling to buy houses and people were working from home with big empty walls behind them during their Zoom meetings. And they wanted a piece of art. Like people still come to me and want pieces behind where they sit for their Zoom meetings. So it was like the whole world shifted. And I was kind of at the perfect place where I just started sharing my art aggressively on Instagram. not gonna sugarcoat it i just showed up all the time i would do instagram lives where i would like have an art show on instagram and i would go live and talk to people and describe what i was thinking about when i painted a piece or where i could envision this piece being hung or how it could be hung horizontally or vertically and i would show people details and texture of the piece because they couldn't see it in person you know, during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So I just started being really creative about how I was marketing my work and people started following me and I started growing and I started selling all over the country. I, I worked started working with influencers because they were following me and I realized that I could tap into their networks and it just kind of spiraled. So really the last, since 2020, three years, it's been just a huge explosion of my business. Before it was like trucking along, but it wasn't like crazy. And then
0: 2020 hit and that's when it really exploded. I think that's so smart what you said is that you started styling your art pieces in your home and showing more of that because once you said that I was like actually now that Mm -hmm. I think about it most art is shown like on a blank white wall or like stock imagery they like put in the background somehow or it's like at a gallery and it's just you know brick or white and I think that is really what when I think about it, what makes your art stand out is it's it's styled and it's within your home and that personal touch. And I think beyond that too, Mm -hmm. when I'm listening to you talk about all this, is you're kind of saying yes to the opportunities as they come, or you're seeing what your customers are reacting to and rolling with it. Whereas a lot of times I feel like business owners, you know, they, if there's something new, it's scary and they pump the brakes and they resist it, but you sort of embrace that. So you're like, okay, people, you know, they want to see me on Instagram live. So I'm going to do that. And I'm going to show more of my home. And I, I know even, you know, you share some of your style and outfits too. I was looking at a pair of Valentino, uh, Little block sandals you visited the other day. So, I, I think you were so smart in that, and obviously that's from your background is packaging it as sort yeah. of a lifestyle, and it, it, you're yeah. not just, you know, linear as an artist. It's so much more than that, and people are buying into the brand.
1: I think that I think you're hitting it spot on, and that's what I was picking up on because I was getting. You have to listen to your customers, right? So all the DMs that I was getting, yes, it was about what size piece is that, that art, and like, can it go horizontally or vertically? But it was also, wh- what paint color is that? Well, who makes your wallpaper? Um, How did you get your bed framed? Like, how did you upholster that bed? Like, Like, people were asking me those types of questions, or who makes your shoes? Or like, where do you shop? And so it started reminding me that like, I am a multifaceted person. And when people buy art, they do want to know who's behind it. They want to know like what makes me me that makes me want to paint like that. And I think a lot of artists want to hide behind their piece and that's fine. Like, you know, everyone can do their own thing. But for me, I just felt like it was, it behooved me to be upfront about my struggles, like my postpartum struggles, my um, challenging struggles of raising three little kids, and then also just kind of like how I'm decorating my house, where I spend money, where I don't spend money, where, you know, where I shop low, where I shop high, because I am a multifaceted person and businesswoman. And I think that's more relatable.
0: A hundred percent. So and then you got into this groove, it sounds like. Um, it took a little bit, but, you know, you got there and you were successful with it. So talk to me about adding products, other products. So you started with you know, a curated online shop. And then now you have products that you design. So tell me about that process and sort of how you decided to bring those in. Sure.
1: So as I said, since 2020, my art business has been picking up. And I realized after kind of getting all of these questions about my own personal design style and my, my wardrobe and all these things that like I'm at the point where I think people might buy other things for me. (laughs) Like (laughs) my art, why am I not kind of expanding what I sell? And I feel like it's really smart and good business advice to kind of start with one thing and get people really excited about it. So for me, that was art and then expand from there. So I had a good solid like four years of, you know, selling my artwork before I started selling other things. Um, And I've always shown tablescapes. I've always been really into tablescaping, especially since we moved into this house where we had a proper dining room. And during COVID, again, I got really creative with like entertaining at home. And um, so I partnered with a company that basically drop ships for me, which if you're not familiar with dropshipping, it's where there's like a wholesaler that you put their products on your website, but they hold the inventory and they ship it out for you and you have a split. So basically when someone buys, I started selling things like vases and wine glasses and um, interesting candlesticks and things like that. So when someone buys one of those things from me, I have this other company that handles the logistics. I don't have to hold the inventory. And then I pay them a fee and basically we have a split. And that was like a Kind of an easy, low risk way of expanding my offering. And I would recommend that for other people kind of in my position. Like, you don't, there's so many creative ways to sell products. You don't always have to hold the inventory or do the packaging or do the logistics. Now, I do have to do the customer service, I do have to market it, I do have to make sure everything's updated on my website. Um, But it's a nice, low risk way of kind of expanding an offering. And then it started to dawn on me. Um, that I could maybe do this with my own designs. And around the same time, this was all last fall, um, fall of 2022, I started painting flowers, which was a new thing for me. I had previously done mostly just straight up abstract pieces and I started experimenting with abstract flowers and that's when it clicked that like these flowers could translate into cool patterns. And I started, I found a company in the UK, which is a printing on demand company, and they've been around for twenty plus years, and they make not just fabric and textile, fabric and wallpaper, and they they do they print patterns on plates, clothing, handbags, um, you know, dish like silverware, like literally you name it, they can print your design on it. And that was just a company I stumbled upon on a on a Google search, um, and so. I started experimenting myself by putting some of these new flower designs on these products, and they looked really cool. And I would post like a sample image on my Instagram, and people would go crazy for it. And then it clicked that like, okay, if I'm going to really do this, I need to enlist some professional help. And so I went on a website called Upwork, which is great for any small business owner it's a basically a marketplace of freelancers that can help you with things like graphic design um textile design like making what's called a seamless repeat which is what i needed they can help you with you know back-end shopify stuff like you can find so many great freelancers there and so i hired someone that was a real textile designer I scanned my paintings in and she manipulated them in Photoshop and made them into real files that I needed, um, at the right resolution with the right colors. And we had this back and forth for a few months. Like we'd get on zooms together. We would look at different designs, different scales of patterns. And so it was a lot of work, um, and then I've just, I decided to launch in April. I got everything ready. I hired my same photographer. We did a huge photo shoot and I went live. And so now I have fabric, I have wallpaper, I have china plates, melamine plates and pillows and still exploring potential other manufacturing partners because I don't know if this this one I'm working with has a lot of benefits, but they mm-hmm. also have some shortcomings, which I think is You figure that out as you are building any kind of business um, where you're working with other vendors, Um, but they're great for now. And I'm really enjoying kind of being able to offer more products that have my art, but aren't like I've hesitated from doing prints of my pieces in the past because I just really for now want to stick to original paintings. But this Mm -hmm. is a way for other people to buy a piece of my art um without spending five
0: or ten thousand dollars. I think that's so smart. And I think, you know, your art translates so well to these prints. And it's a natural fit because like you said, you share a tablescape. So selling, you know, Bone china plates, or um, you know the melamine plates, all of that. It makes total sense. You know, it's not it's not your original art, but it's another way for people to get your art. So I think that's genius and such a such a smart business move.
1: Thank you. And there's a lot more. Like right now, I'm just selling it on my website, but I am, um, and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here. But I'm we're looking to get in with wholesale partners, to partner with showrooms, to do more events. So. This business, this side of the business is a whole other animal and a whole other beast. It's not like painting a commission for somebody that you just do one of and then you're done and you move on to the next one. This is this is a whole new thing for me.
0: So it's kind of like starting a new business and learning a lot as I go. I love it. Now, I'm curious, where do you get inspiration from? Like when it comes to, you know, making a new piece of art or, um, you know, coming up with a new product to add to your assortment like where do you find inspiration sure
1: um I think interior design is first and foremost as I said I've gotten really into following designers being inspired by designers being inspired by influencers that have a good eye for design I loved working with my own interior designer here in Austin Kristen Nix she's just has the best taste and if you don't follow her you should she has the best taste in like Travel, wardrobe, clothes, um, design, like just everything. So I think finding people like that and kind of seeing how they live, how they entertain, how they travel really inspires me. Um, I also love to travel myself. So as we were talking about, I was just over in Europe and was really inspired by so many of the, the colors and the flowers that I was seeing with like Paris and London and bloom right now. It was just amazing. Um, and then sometimes I like to be honest about this. It's just not that complicated. Sometimes I'm just painting because I'm just in a zone and I don't know where it comes from and I'm mixing a million different colors. And it's not like I have a specific thing in mind. It's just like a process and it just kind of comes to fruition as I go. Um, and it's not that complicated. So I I don't mean to say it's not hard and it doesn't take a lot of work, but sometimes it's not so thought out. Yes it's more in the moment.
0: Yeah, it's not that deep. <laughs> not always that deep. <laughs> what would you say is your greatest challenge when it comes to like business and art? What what's the hardest part?
1: Sure. Um well, I do think for the hardest part was kind of just getting awareness and getting my name out there and getting credibility once my art started showing up in beautiful homes and I could share that with people it really helped me have that credibility and um, word of mouth and people kind of were like, Oh, I want a piece like that too. But now at this stage of my business, I think there's a lot of competition table and home decor has really popped the last few years. So there's so many amazing people doing it that I admire that I buy their products. So I'm not trying to be, um, you know, I, I'm not trying to be something that somebody else is, but I do realize that there is a lot of competition and I need to have a really strong point of view with unique patterns and really breakthrough. Um, and I think there's a place for everything. Like I will mix somebody else's tablecloth with one of my plates. I think that's great. Yeah. Um, I also think that for the new stuff, like the wallpaper and the fabric, it's, it's letting people touch and feel it. So that's a harder buy for a lot of people. Like you, you need to measure how much wallpaper you need. You need to see a sample in your space. You need to match colors. So it's not as easy as putting it on your website and letting people just impulse buy. They need to like touch and feel it and get to know the product. So for me that means getting having more events, getting in front of people in different markets, sending out samples, getting in front of more designers who are going to um advocate for me. So that's kind of my biggest challenge right now is just getting more awareness and breaking through.
0: Definitely. Yeah, with wallpaper and that sort of thing it is. It's like a longer lead but um but worth it. <laughs> worth it? on the flip side to that question like what's been a pinch me moment so far like what's something that you're really proud of in terms of business um or art that's happened so many things when I knew I was going to talk about a pinch me moment I was like
1: oh there's been so many (laughs) I think one that stands out is a year ago I was in better homes and gardens in a feature um in the print magazine, which coming from a PR background, you know, even though print, people say print instead, it's still like the biggest pinch me moment to open up a magazine and see yourself or your product, your client in a magazine. And I worked on that. Actually, it came from the Southern Sea, an editor that I met that's no longer at Better Homes and Gardens, but she was at the time. And I worked for over two years on that to try to get that off the ground. And she ended up leaving and it was, I thought it was dead, but it was handed over to a new editor and it finally happened. And it was about kind of how I like to blend art and tablescaping. Mm -hmm. And that was really it. kind of like, brought everything together for me. It was like, okay, I used my own PR skills to make this happen. My arts in here, my tables in here, it's kind of all coming together. Um that was really exciting. And just people reaching out to me saying, "Oh my gosh, I opened up my my mom's Better Homes and Gardens and I saw you in it." And that was cool. Um I've also had a few people buy art from me that I like can't even believe they want to hang my art in their homes. One Um, Julia Amory, who I so admire, she's like the tablecloth queen and now a million other products. And I love everything she does and everything she touches. She's commissioned me for two pieces of art for two of her homes. And that was like the most flattering compliment that I think I've ever gotten just that she is this design tastemaker and she wants to have my art in her home. Um, and then recently I was, named a finalist for Austin under 40, which is, um, kind of a business entrepreneurship award in Austin. And they named me a top five finalist for the arts category. And I got to attend this black tie gala and I was among some really cool other business owners and artists. And, um, that kind of was cool to me because it it was about my art, but it was uh, also about my, um, business acumen and, that kind of brought my two worlds together too. And I, I was really honored to have that, that I didn't win the the thing, but I was, I was nominated and that was enough and very exciting.
0: Yeah. And also going off that, I feel like local press, a lot of people write it off, but there's so much power Mm -hmm. in your local press because it's your community, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So there's so much support there. Exactly. Um, who would a dream customer be for you? Obviously, you know Julia was great, but is there anyone else or like a celebrity or a royal like someone that you could totally see your art in their home or or maybe you know your tabletop products?
1: Yeah, I was thinking about this um this is a hard one for me. <laughs> when you said like dream and dream customer, literally, I don't know why this popped in my head. Because I have a love hate relationship with them, but I thought of Harry and Meg. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, they live in this cool California house now. Maybe one of my white on white pieces would look good. I don't know. Um, but then I was also thinking about Gwyneth Peltrow. That would be such a dream. She's got a home in the Hamptons. She's obviously like the tastemaker of all tastemakers and the queen bee. And I just think that um, being able to do something with goop yeah. or with. Would be a dream. Um, but it's interesting. I have a couple like news people that follow me on my Instagram, like Nora O'Donnell, who's the CBS anchor woman, and like Sharon Alfonsi who's on 60 Minutes. And I'm I'm like fangirls of these women. And like if they are following me and they ever want some art, like that would be amazing. Like there, there's some people that are a little bit you know, less celeb and more kind of like cool newswomen or businesswomen that I would love to work with. I
0: love those answers. That's great. Now, since this is the Preppy podcast and I interview everyone that's keeping the modern Preppy lifestyle alive, how would you describe Preppy? What does Preppy mean to you?
1: Well, to me, it means classic for sure. I'm sure you hear that a lot, but it's timeless. It's something that, is not going to go out of style. So for me, I hope my art is that way. I hope that somebody who wants to buy my art and invest in it and hang it in their home today, loves it just as much in 20, 30, 50 years, wants to pass it on to their grandkids, that it's classic because it's unique. Um, And I think just like not trying too hard. For me, it's like you know, a t-shirt and jeans is preppy. Um, a black dress is preppy, like something that looks effortless.
0: Yep. That's perfect. Now I have a few sort of short answer questions for you, which the first is what's your best seller and then what's your personal favorite available on your website? So whether it's, you know, an original or one of your tabletop pieces, what would those be?
1: Sure. Um, for my art, since they're all one of a kind, I don't, it's hard to have a bestseller, but for my fabric, um, the Antonia has been the hot ticket item. Mm. Um, it's looking great. I just posted recently on my Instagram, somebody had installed it in Atlanta in their powder room. And, um, I have another designer who's installing it on her own upholstered bed right now. Um, so the Antonia, is definitely the one to watch and I also make it in a smaller scale on throw pillows and it's just like a really pretty, it comes in a few different colors, but people are loving the white background with the blue and green accents and it's very painterly looking. I um,
0: love that. I'm gonna have to check that one out. <laughs>
1: is will one my personal favorite too? Yes. Yeah. Um, I really like this pattern we have called the Genevieve. It's very modern looking. It's like um, very monochrome too. And it reminds me of a quadrille print. So quadrille is this really famous textile wallpaper house. I have a lot of quadrille in my own house and I'm not trying to be quadrille, but this pattern that I came up with reminds me, it gives me that vibe where it could kind of go more modern, but it could also go really beachy coastal. It comes, we have it in pink and green and blue, and it's very, um, it's just more modern. It's very cool. Mm-hmm.
0: I do. That one I think is my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Where's your favorite vacation destination?
1: This is hard because there's too many. Um, but the Hamptons is my happy place. We are lucky enough to go there every summer. And my husband and I were married in the Hamptons. So mm-hmm. I think it kind of holds a special place for me. But um, as we've talked about, I have a love of France and Hadn't been in nine years and just went and just, it reminded me how much I love all areas of France, the Paris, the South of France, um, Provence. And then, um, I'm always up for California. Like I, every time I'm there, I'm happy. I'm in a good mood. It, it kind of cheers me up and I just, I love LA and Southern California so much. What about your go-to drink order? This one's easy. It's (laughs) always a skinny margarita on the rocks with a salt rim. I usually start with that and then have one glass of Sauvignon Blanc and then I'm done.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. A margarita like a Texas girl.
1: (laughs) Like a Texas girl. I'm usually a two drink girl. If I have three, then I'm not feeling great in the morning. So,
0: (laughs) What about a resource for business advice? Is there like a website or a newsletter or a book or anything like that? Yes. Um, So you and I both
1: know that the Southern Sea is such a great resource for entrepreneurs. Um, I don't think it's exclusively for female entrepreneurs, but it kind of leans heavily into that space. And um, I've attended, gosh, I think five summits now. Um, And it's such a great resource to network, to meet people like we've met each other, to continue relationships, to come up with collaborations. And then there's a whole membership component where you can do zoom calls you can get education opportunities so I think southern sea for sure if you're an entrepreneur and then another person that I wanted to point out um who I actually I didn't meet her at the southern I did meet her at the southern sea actually but we met on instagram first um is carrie colbert I don't know if you met her or heard her speak yeah this past year but she um has a really interesting background of working in oil and gas and then becoming an influencer. And now she has um, a venture capital fund where she's investing in other companies that are female founded. And she gives a lot of advice on her Instagram account um, about how to invest, about why it's important to invest, about um, if you're looking for venture capital money, like how to go about that. And I just think she's a wealth of information and
0: so sharp. Definitely no. It was great hearing her speak. What are three brands you love? You have great style, and you know we talked about how you share more than just even your art. So I'm curious, like three brands that you love or stores.
1: Um, right now, because it changes, but right now I'm loving Kara Kara, which I own too many of their dresses. <laughs> but I've been lucky enough to meet one of the founders. Um, and I just think that everything they create is so beautiful and timeless and tailored and flattering. Um, they just know how to like pull in the dresses in all the right places. And then um, another brand I'm loving is La Vie Style House. I actually recently did an event and they make beautiful caftans that are really fun and funky and bright and colorful. Um, and then another one is Wheezy Towels, which I know so many people love Wheezy, but um, I own so many of their towels and their robes and kids' robes and everything is really high quality. And I think that their model of kind of taking that high quality towel experience direct to consumer was so smart and they've just done such a good job of marketing and branding themselves.
0: Definitely. I interviewed um Liz from Wheezy on the podcast, I think last year. So people can go and listen to that too. <laughs> she's
1: great. And she's an Austin native. And so we have a lot of people in common. And um she's just so inspiring.
0: That's so fun. What a small world. So what's next for you? Any sneak peeks or something you're working on that you can share? Um, yes. So I have a
1: collaboration coming out this summer. Um, with a Nashville brand called Hunter Blake. And we are launching something really cool. That's, I'm not going to give it all away, but I'm putting my pattern on one of their products and we're pairing up to launch it together. So look out for that hopefully in July. And then um, I'm, I'm looking at more collaborations like that. I just had a really interesting call yesterday with somebody who's launching a brand new product category and they're interested in licensing my artwork for it and doing a collaboration. I'm um, also looking at launching more product lines in the home decor space with my patterns on it. I've also, I have also haven't ruled out apparel. I think that's a little bit down the road. I don't want to jump into anything too quickly. I want to do everything um, thoughtfully and very in a very curated way, but I am looking at other categories and kind of seeing where my new patterns, now that I have patterns, like the sky's kind of the limit of what I can put them on. So i um, really excited about exploring other options. And then there's, there's also something that I've been working on, which maybe it's another podcast for another day in, in a year or two, but um, I'm working on a men's product. That's huh? totally separate from my art business and my home business. It has a totally different brand name. But it's in the men's footwear category, and we've been working on it for going on two years, my husband and I and my sister-in-law and a team of partners, and hoping to launch it by the end of
0: 2023. Oh, so many
1: exciting things. Yeah. So, yeah, lots in the works. I can't sit still. (laughs)
0: I love that. So my final question is where can people find you? Let them know, you know, your social media handles, your website, all of that. So they can follow along, they can shop and support you.
1: Thank you for, for allowing me to share. So, um, on Instagram, which is kind of my main channel, I'm at Erin Donahue Tice Art. It's E-R-I-N-D-O-N-A-H-U-E-T-I-C-E Art, A-R-T. It's a, it's a mouthful. Um, (laughs) I'm also now on TikTok. It's the same exact handle, Aaron Donahue Tice Art. And then my website is just aarindonahuetice.com. And you can find my email address there. Or feel free to send me a DM. I love talking to people in my DMs and try to get back to as many as I can.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Erin. This was so fun. I loved learning more about you. And it's so funny hearing all that we have in common. And I can't wait for all these exciting things that you talked about too in the works.
1: Thank you so much. This was so fun. I'm so grateful for you having me on and sharing stories of other entrepreneurs and um, love everything that you share. So it's been, it's been fun
0: and can't wait to hear the episode when it comes out. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to the Preppy Podcast. I hope this put a little prep in your step for the day. Please subscribe, rate, and review on wherever you listen to your podcast and follow along with at the Preppy Podcast on social media.